John Lewis was a mass murderer who shot and killed his entire family one by one over the course of an entire day in November of 1971. But how was he able to get away with it for 18 years and start a new life with a new wife? Join us as we conclude our discussion of John List and dive into the darkness one crime at a time. Hello, welcome to One Crime at a Time. I'm your host, Shannon. With me, as always, my sister from the same mister, Christina. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hey, long time no see. For real. <laughs> We're finally getting around to telling you the, the rest of the story. And now, the rest, <laughs> the rest of, of the story. <laughs> of old John List. <laughs> Y'all probably didn't read Go all back. the books on your own by now, huh? Go back and listen to the rest of it, and that way you'll be caught up. Oh, gosh. So, hope everybody's been good. Things have been, they've just been around here. So They've just been, but, yeah. But, you know, we're back. Um, we're going to try to get these out as quickly as we can going forward. Yes. So, um, I do want to tell you before we get started that today's episode is brought to you by DB Journey. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel-tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released, and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you are able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. And anybody that does a lot of traveling, like we all used to be able to, um, can't do much, haven't <laughs> done much lately, <laughs> but when, when we do years. get back to traveling, <laughs> you know how helpful that would be to be able to connect, to have all your bags connected in on one when you're just trying to roll through the airport, playing it cool, you know, you know how it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we're teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off of your next purchase by using the code POD. Are going to the link in our show notes that will be there. DB, it's time to move on. Time to get going. Let's do this, people. Let's get traveling. Please. <laughs> let's go somewhere. I'm ready to go anywhere. I don't even care anymore where it is. I was supposed to go to New Orleans to the um, jazz festival. Going to see old Stevie Nicks, but. That oh got canceled. Oh my God! Canceled. Would you let it go? Let <laughs> that got it canceled. Go. <laughs> I was Move gonna, on. I was gonna go see her in Atlanta. That got canceled. So, you know, I'm moving on though. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving on. We are also brought to you by our subscribers on Patreon. You guys are just awesome. Thanks for being there for us through all this. And if you would like to help support the show, you can for as little as a dollar a month. We have several levels that include access to our exclusive Patreon feed, mini-sodes, merchandise, and commercial-free episodes. And we have two new patrons that we need to welcome to the fold. So welcome, Shirley Cabo. I hope I'm saying your last name right. If not, just correct me. 
and Justin Ware. So thank you both so much for your support. We appreciate it greatly. Yes, thank you. Very much, very much. So thanks. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. So back to our story. So last we left old John List, he had decided that the only solution to his problems was to murder his wife, his mother, and his three children. So he began putting this plan in motion. And on October 14, 1971, John List applied for a gun permit with the Westfield Police Department, saying that he needed a gun for home protection. And I don't know really why he did this. He already owned two handguns, a 9mm and a uh, twenty-two pistol. So he really had no reason to apply for the permit. And he never even went to pick the permit up. And really the only thing that it seemed to accomplish was ha- was the police department having his fingerprints on file. Well, he just wanted to make sure that the, <laughs> that the gun used in the murder was going to be a legal gun, I guess. Well, I mean, it was for a permit to buy a new, I think, to get a new gun. Well, maybe. But he, but he already had two at home. But maybe he thought they wouldn't realize. I guess. I don't, I don't really know. Cause like I said, he never even went to pick them up, to pick it up. Oh, well. I don't know. <laughs> maybe think, maybe things just happened quicker than he thought. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had intentions, but things just got a little messy. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but so, anyway, so now they've got his fingerprints. And that was really the only thing that him applying for the permits accomplished. And as we will see later on, that actually comes in really handy for the police. <laughs> fingerprints usually do. <laughs> so, later that month, about two weeks before the murders... List allowed his daughter Patty to have a Halloween party in their he ballroom. Actually, he actually yes. allowed a party. Oh, wow. And it's very uncharacteristic for List. So maybe it was, I don't know why he did this. Nobody really could explain. He couldn't explain why well, he did maybe it. Maybe he just wanted them to be happy before they died. Maybe he was just giving her one last hurrah. Here, have I don't a party. Because you're going to be dead tomorrow. <laughs> don't know why i don't know maybe it was just so he could laud his beliefs over a group of people that he hated i don't he know was because trying to form a cult <laughs> well during the party john list stood like above it on the balcony and, and just kind of looked down see, on the party that's like what from the was, stairs that's what he was doing he was trying to be the next charles <laughs> He was just, I think he was just waiting for somebody, just one person, one little teenager, one little teenage drama class little prick to mess up. And he didn't have, and finally, finally. After three hours. Finally. (laughs) Somebody did. Now, depending on reports, this kid was either drinking, smoking, or making out with a girl. It depending was 1971. On, <laughs> depending on who you talked to, he was doing one of those three things. My guess would be he was making out with a girl. Or maybe he was doing all three. Could have been. It was 1971. <laughs> so John ran down to the ballroom oh my and God. Tried, tried kicking the boy, but instead he missed and fell down in the <laughs> same manner in way his father had all those years ago. <laughs> so it's trick or treat Johnny all over again. Wow. <laughs> the circle of life. 
I just find that hilarious because you know when he ran down those stairs and tried to kick that guy that you know everybody was laughing like hell. Oh, I would have laughed yeah. like hell. I can lie. I've got a mental picture. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. This middle-aged man. Balding with a mustache. He didn't have down. a mustache. Well, I'm just, this is my picture. Oh, I'm Please. sorry. <laughs> my picture. I forgot. Not yours. I forgot that's in your head. That's right. <laughs> Run. Storming down these stairs. <laughs> huffing with like steam you know he's coming so pissed out of his He's so mad. He's, got beans he's so mad. And like his veins and his neck are bulging out because he's so mad at this kid. <laughs> And then he forgot he waxed the ballroom floor. Or that he's never tried to kick anything his whole life. And he has no idea how to do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So anyway, so that was that that pretty much was the end of that Halloween party for the night, everybody. Yes. Just it kinda lost its luster after you that. Think? Yeah. The entertainment had just begun. <laughs> Show's over, people. Well, that was it. Did you enjoy <laughs> that the show? That was the best Halloween party I've ever been to. <laughs> Did you enjoy the show? Man, it was great. So, now this part is crazy to me. Not, this part? Yeah. This, this part out of this whole, yes, whole story. You this, this, this one part. part. This one part. Yes. Listen to this. So, I don't know exactly when, but it only had to be like maybe a few a few days later after the party. John List actually set his three kids down in the kitchen table and explicitly told his children that they were all going to die by his hands very soon. Father of the year. <laughs> I have that man an award. Never heard of that. Like in a family annihilator thing story. Have you ever heard of them actually saying, say, look, this is what's going to happen. But we we really don't know if any of the rest of them did or not because the people all died. So maybe But we know. Well, maybe not. You're right. Possibly. Now, the reason that he gave that he was telling them this was because he wanted to know what their wishes were, whether they wanted to be buried or cremated. Really? Why don't you just tell them you're taking out a life insurance policy? That would be the best thing. I'm going to take out a life insurance policy, and it's requesting to know your burial preference. (laughs) These kids wouldn't know that they don't ask that. Well, they all three said that they they wanted to be buried. So, what's your preference? Mine? I want to be cremated, and I, I want to be spread out on one of those organic um things where they spread ashes oh the um the green burial or where it doesn't mess up the but but they also (laughs) bury like whole bodies there but they're not embalmed right that's what i want so it doesn't hurt the environment with the embalming fluid yeah i told my kids the other day that i wanted to be cremated (laughs) don't ask me why we were having this conversation but that i want to be cremated and there's a certain spot at mexico beach oh my god that i would want to be my ashes spread out. And now, don't send me emails because I know that that's not legal. Don't send, don't email me, don't at me. When you can't do that. I'm just saying that nobody's going to notice if, like, you shake a towel out and a few ashes go with it. 
That's what I told my daughter. <laughs> Mother my, of the year. But my preference is, is to either be cremated and my ashes be spread into like a wildflower garden or to do that green burial thing. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I don't hurt the environment. Just curious. With embalming fluid. Just curious. nasty. Now, um, so when this conversation was over, John just quietly got up. And went to his office and just kind of left the kids okay, there well, dealing that. with the. <laughs> okay, well. I want y'all to go write a two-page report <laughs> on what I just said. So that's that was bad. So whatever. Y'all have a good night. <laughs> Sleep tight. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Make sure the boogeyman don't get you. Yeah. Now, Patty's next drama lesson with her drama teacher, Ed Iliano. I she, don't think you could get any more dramatic than your father <laughs> telling you. She flat out told him that, you know, Mr. Iliano, my father is going to kill me. Yeah, but what teenager doesn't say that? Well, well he probably Well, didn't. he did brush it off to begin with, and she kind of got aggravated, and she's like, no, I'm telling you that I know he's going to kill us because he explicitly told us that he was going to kill us. And I guess he didn't really know what to say because he just kind of went, whew, and then just asked, like, "What? I wonder what time it is. Are you dying now? <laughs> is our lesson over? <laughs> How so he's just trying to... Up- in that conversation, How much obviously. How sensitive fuck can you be that someone tells you they're going to die? What time is it? <laughs> that sounds that sounds bad for you. Uh, uh, class look is at the over. time. I'm going to go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Screw you, asshole. And what is crazy to me is that the only way that we would know that that conversation happened and the way that he reacted is because he had to have told someone. Yeah. Because Patty wasn't around to tell anybody, so he he didn't mind making he, it known that that's the way he reacted. He was, he was in his therapist's office. <laughs> I can see it now. <laughs> I'm telling you a little side story. And he felt... Wow. Ooh, that was loud. That's those kids that ride their four-wheeler by my house like every day. He felt so bad because he just wanted to know the time after this girl <laughs> told him she was going to die. I'm just curious as he's to like, I've just how got, much longer before I can stop talking to you about this. Uh, he He's just like, I, I've just got to get it off my chest. I knew she was going to die, and I just asked her for the time. Yeah. Asshole. And he wasn't. she wasn't the only one that said something to him. Actually, Ed drove Patty home from class one night, and John Jr. also kind of was warning Ed in, in a way. he John Jr. walked up to him, grabbed his arm, and told him to come by whenever he was in the neighborhood, saying, Please understand, you are welcome here any time. Like, he sounded like very anxious and stuff about it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like... And, and this guy's just sitting there like, whoo. Look at the time. I'm so, really I mean, go. he's, I mean, he even said that it, that it, there was an anxiousness in his voice when he's in an urgency in his voice. So he found it odd. But how can and you didn't find say it, anything? How can you find it odd when you were told that this is what's wrong? This is right. what's going on. Right. But so. you find their behavior odd? <laughs> well, I mean, he's the saying that he's he's saying that he knew something was up, but he just let it go again. 
dude really <laughs> what did you have a woman waiting at home or something you had to pay like a prostitute you had to pay for <laughs> And she was only there for a certain amount of time. Man, I got to go. <laughs> I mean, really, dude? What the fuck? So, on Monday night, November the 8th, the night before the murders, Patty called Ed Iliano again and begged him to come over as soon as he could. Now, she didn't, the reasons that she wanted him to come over weren't, she didn't make very clear, and we don't know the reason today because ed didn't really know but he didn't go he decided i think that he just kind of had something more important to do well there are some that say that he kind of had he was in kind of a precarious i guess situation with patty where i don't think that they were hooking up or anything but i do think that she kind of had a crush on him and i think that Maybe he just didn't feel very comfortable about going over there. Did she really have a crush on him, or was she just clinging to him because she felt safe around him? I, I probably, probably both. I would say. And he, and I, I mean, because I mean, her father just came out and told her he's going to kill her. Right. So if you feel safe around someone, you're going to cling to that person. And I could see where that could make somebody think, well, she likes me, she wants to be around me mm -hmm. all the time. So I'm wondering if she really had a crush on him or if she was just. I think she to probably did because I think that probably the reason. I mean, I think that they were do that they had been hanging out like having you know extra rehearsals and stuff, one on one <laughs> rehearsals Doing and some stuff extra like. Dancing. You know, I don't think there was. Any, I'm not saying that there wasn't anything nefarious. I'm just saying that I don't think that it had had time to reach point of being inappropriate does that make sense what makes me wonder if it was really <clears throat> romantically inclined or if it was just that this is the she, only person i see that can help yeah that's very possible and as we'll see <laughs> he, he was a knight in shining armor <laughs> uh, I, I learned that from the first time she told him now now, like I said, we don't know what was said that night, but obviously something happened in that house that night, and John said something because he would later state in a in his in a confession that that night, November eighth, was the night that he decided for one hundred percent sure that he was going to do this. So something happened in the house that night, and mm. we just will never know what it was. I'm sure it was instant coffee. <laughs> Yeah. Folgers crystals. Probably. <laughs> now, when she came down, John was waiting. As was usual, at. <laughs> easy for That's me to say. That's a new language. <laughs> as was usual, they barely even acknowledged each other when she walked into the room. So that was nothing new. They never, they hardly spoke at this point. John gave her just enough time to take a sip of coffee. Then he pulled out his twenty two caliber pistol and aimed it at her head from about 18 inches away. And without saying a word, he pulled the trigger and shot her in the jaw. So apparently he, I don't know, that was pretty bad aim from 18 inches away. You're trying yeah. to shoot her in the head and you hit her jaw. <laughs> get First that. time jitters, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> so Helen fell to the floor and blood began pouring from her face. 
But she was not even close to dead. She was just shot in the jaw. So he ended up shooting her several more times until he was sure she was dead. This was not part of his plan. He had only planned to shoot her one time and one and done. Because his mother was still in the house in the on where she had her little apartment on the third floor mm-hmm. and he had thought well you know one shot wouldn't alert anybody but you know firing multiple shots there was no way that his mom didn't hear it so he hurries up the stairs and she is actually her the, his mother is in her kitchen in her on the third floor because they had a kitchen up there so that her and helen didn't have to come in contact or speak or even be in each other's presence i mean this was just a healthy household all i'm trying to say (laughs) so he throws open the door the first time in his whole life he had ever entered a room with his mother in it without knocking she begins to say what was that noise and john silently raised his pistol and shot his mother above the left eye at point blank range killing her instantly now like i had said before john's plan was to drag all the bodies to the ballroom and lay them out but alma list was too heavy for john to drag down the stairs so instead he rolled her up in a carpet runner and dragged her down the hallway where he crammed her into a small utility room okay he then used newspapers see (laughs) see And old towels to clean up the wide streak of blood Mm -hmm. that was left behind. John then returned to Helen's body downstairs and grabbed her by her feet and dragged her to the ballroom, leaving behind a 40-foot-long trail of blood. John then laid out a series of sleeping bags, because I guess he was going to try to make his family's bodies comfortable, I guess. I guess. I don't know. He's, He's crazy. And then he he then rolled Helen's body into the middle of the floor pallet that he'd made. And he used Helen's bathrobe to cover up her legs. He grabbed a bath towel to cover up her torso and a towel from the kitchen to cover her face. Okay. So she's all covered up. John then soaked up the pool of blood that was left by Helen's body with paper towels and newspapers. So apparently they have plenty of newspaper hanging around the house. I told you newspapers are good for getting up blood. So apparently he didn't need more newspaper. He then went to Helen's bedroom and wiped his bloody hands on her sheets. He then started to roll and convulse on the bed for several minutes. Because I guess he's freaking out that he just killed his wife and his mom. He then ran to the bathroom and threw up leaving a bloody palm print on the toilet. Now, once he composed himself, John showered and put on a fresh fresh suit and tie. He was due for a meeting at 10 a.m. with his boss at the insurance company, but he called and canceled, saying that his mother-in-law was sick and the whole family was heading to North Carolina to be with her until she was better. And this was essentially... His story, what he was going to tell everyone as a reason that the fed, that the family was out of town in North Carolina indefinitely. And that was the gist of his plan. 
He then went outside and raked the leaves in the front yard. What the fuck, dude? You just passing time? <laughs> I think that he was. I think he was just trying to find something to keep him busy until the kids started coming home. In a suit and tie. Yeah. Well, you know, he did all of his yard work in a suit and tie. Because <laughs> he likes to party. <laughs> He's a real loosey-goosey, this John Liz. <laughs> And this kind of drew eyes from a neighbor who yes, saw him. Well, oh, not because, I mean, not because he was just raking leaves in a suit because they were used to seeing him do everything in a suit. But they thought it was odd because this was a record cold day that day. It was really, really cold outside. And it was the middle of the work day. So they thought, well, you know, that's odd that he's home. And it's odd that he's raking leaves when it's this cold outside. Well, he had on a suit and tie, so he figured if he'd done it when it was cold, it wouldn't be, he wouldn't get so hot. Right. <laughs> now, he had been expecting his daughter Patty to be home at around 5 p.m., which would have made her the last family member murdered that day. But at noon, Patty called to say that she wasn't feeling well and wanted a ride home. So, of course, he's annoyed because this is this is not the way it's supposed to go. This wasn't his plan, right? Oh, so, for crying out loud. <laughs> so, he picks up his daughter and drove her home in silence, not saying a word. When they arrived home, he jumps out of the car and hurries inside so that he can be waiting on her when she comes in. So he's trying to get like get the drop on his daughter. So a minute later, she follows him through the laundry room. And as soon as she closed the door, John raises the pistol and fires a close shot range, a close range shot into the back of her head mm. and killing her instantly. And this made Patty the only member of the family who did not see it coming. It's the only one. But actually she did. <laughs> well... <laughs> She should have been. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not trying to be. But ugly, yes, they but should she, have been more. They should have been expecting. It should, that, right. They I should guess. have been more aware of their surroundings <laughs> because I mean, he told them. Especially if your father, who is not, he's if not he, if he gets stable, out of the car and runs to the house, maybe you should go to the neighbor's house. <laughs> Especially after he's told you that I'm he's gonna going kill to kill you. you. So, like I said, luckily... I, I mean, I might find that a bit suspicious. Yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, you know... And, but you got to think, if she's not feeling... Maybe she's just... I mean, she's a teenager, and I don't know. I, I don't know if it crossed her mind or not. We will never know. Now, so he... Like, like I said, luckily she died very quickly, and he dragged her body to the ballroom and laid her next to her mother. Now, by 1 p.m., John had showered and changed clothes again, and it was back to running errands. What? Nobody noticed he kept changing clothes after these. <laughs> Who was going to notice? Talk. Nobody was had seen him that day. I thought you said neighbors had seen him. Just out, the just leaves. out, raking, just one neighbor saw him out raking the leaves and thought it was weird. But it's not well, like he, he is. He was weird, and I'm sure that all of his suits were black with black tie. Maybe not. He had that one yellow one <laughs> from that one Easter party. <laughs> so, like I said, he goes back. He's got some errands to run before the day's out. 
He goes to the bank and he cashes an $85 personal check. He then went to the post office and mailed letters to his children's school explaining that the family was going to North Carolina indefinitely because of a sick relative. They might have been less suspicious if he actually went up there that morning <laughs> and handed them things saying, look, we're not going to be here for such and such time. He mails them letters. Dumbass. It's very, very formal. He then filed a request, a form requesting a 30-day hold on mail delivery because he didn't want mail piling up at the house for people to notice. I would have just went to my neighbors and said, hey, can you gather my mail for like a year? <laughs> well, see, By that's then, the... the police should be over here and they should come collect it. <laughs> he's just trying to keep anybody. He He's trying to... Keep anybody from having a reason to go to that house but the at all. Man, unless they had like a mailbox on their door, wouldn't actually be at the house. He don't care. He doesn't want anybody near that house for as long as know, possible. You know they still gonna get sales circular because <laughs> they put them things in religiously. You may have bills piling up at the post office, but you gonna get the sales circulars. <laughs> now, while he was at the post office, he also scheduled a special delivery to his house to be carried out that afternoon at 5 p.m. Now, this special delivery contained a note and a key. And we will talk about what his plans for that are later. This guy is the... Oh, my God. He needs... <laughs> he, he's, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. No, he's just very <laughs> mentally ill. Why have you got to mail yourself the key and the letter? Just, it's you, dude. <laughs> Dumbass. Just take it with you. Now, I will say when we get to the reasoning behind this, I'm not, I'm not real sure about it, but we'll talk about what he does with this later. And I'm going to say now, I don't understand the purpose of it, but you'll, it'll become maybe clearer to you, maybe. Later, I don't know. I still don't understand it. No, but there's no purpose for that. But <laughs> because I mean, first of all, it doesn't matter what it is. Nobody knew you had this letter and this key. Why are you gonna mail yourself a letter and a key? Just take it with you. Yeah, it will. We'll get. To, we'll talk about it later. So he then went to another bank and cashed a check on his mother's account. Account which drained the last two hundred dollars of her money that he'd been stealing. Because when she first moved in with them, when they bought that house, I think her account had like around $50,000 in it. God damn, dude. And he's, this day, he's taking the last $200 of his mother's money. He also cashed in $2,000 in savings bonds. And this was the last of the list money. And that would be what he used to start his new life the next day. Now, Fred List... Well, young yeah, because he's got to stay there till the next day to wait on that package he had himself. <laughs> no, the package is coming that day at 5 o'clock. Right, because he wasn't leaving until the next day. Right, which... Because uh, he which, had to wait for that package instead of just leaving. Which doesn't make any sense, and I'll tell you why. And just li We'll it's get there. Stupid. We'll get there, but it makes no sense. I'll just go ahead and tell you, it doesn't make any sense. Now, Fred List, the youngest son, he showed up to his after-school job, and he had a job at the same place that his sister Patty had a job. So when he gets to work, they tell him, oh, well, Patty called. She had gone home earlier that day because she was sick. So he decides he's going to go home, too. No, John. <laughs> no. This is, this is Fred. 
Oh, Fred? Yeah. No, Fred. <laughs> Fred, no. So Fred then calls home and asks for a ride home back to the house. I guess if he's thinking, you know, well, if Patty ain't got to work, I ain't going to work either. I don't know. You should have stayed at work. <laughs> so John again is a little annoyed because this is not how this is oh supposed to God, go. I can't kill them if they won't come home. <laughs> well, he ought to be glad that they're at least telling him they're coming home and not just showing up and interrupting his killing spree here, you know. So he goes and he picks up Fred and again drive, they drive home in silence and again, he, when they get home, he hops out of the car and runs inside so that he can get in there before Fred does. And this time, John faced his son as he raised the gun, and Fred saw his father fire a single fatal shot into his head. John then again dragged the body to the ballroom and laid Fred next to his mother and his sister. Now, soon after that murder, John's plan was nearly discovered by the only member of the family that was left, and that was John Jr. Now, now John Jr. was supposed to go to soccer practice after school that day. But if they ain't going to work, I ain't going to soccer <laughs> well, practice. Well, soccer practice was canceled because it was the record low that day, and it was it was extremely cold, so they canceled soccer practice. So he I, came home early. I can see that man now. None of this. What the hell? <laughs> Why is this not going the way I planned? I gotta say though, he he thought he was he was good on his feet. Things weren't going the way that he had planned them, but you know. Well, he can run fast. We figured that. He can out. run. We know he can run. He can't kick, but he can run enough to beat a teenager and you know getting out of the car anyway. Into the house, pick yeah. up the gun, and turn around and be ready to shoot when they walk in the door. That's that's. That pretty is swift. That is pretty swift. Now, luckily, like I said, John Jr. was coming home early, but luckily John Sr. saw him walking up the driveway. So he gets in place and so that he's ready for John Jr. when he walks in the door. And when Jr. walked in, he saw his father raise the gun and he was able to dodge the first shot. But... That just meant that instead of it hitting him in the head, it hit him in the back. Mm. So he fell to the floor, and John List fired again and hit John Jr. again, but he's still alive. And so John Jr. is just kind of crawling on the floor, and John Sr. takes a, his other gun out of his pocket, and he's like got a gun in each hand just firing shots at his son. Like he's in some kind of Wild West movie or something. And he ended up shooting John Jr. ten times before he finally died. So, I mean, a tough kid. Now, you can't tell me somebody didn't hear those gunshots. Well, that's, I don't know. Nobody said, there were no reports of any gunfire. Let me put it that way. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, again, he dragged the body of John Jr. to the ballroom, laid them aside the others. Now, at this point, John rearranged the bodies so that the three kids were laying side by side and moved Helen's body so that it was at perpen- laying perpendicular to the kids, like, I'm over their head. You, I'm telling you, he was, he was wanting a freaking cult, because that's some cult <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> I was listening to 
um another podcast do this story and they said that and it does when you look at the picture it kind of looks like a, a miniature jonestown that's what i'm saying <laughs> that that was what they said so after the bodies were rearranged and he had got them the way he wanted them i mean if he didn't want anybody to see them what does it matter how they're laying i don't know that's what I'm saying. There's something's not right about all this. I don't know why it was kind of a... I guess that's just how he thought that they should be. I don't... I can't explain it. Don't ask me why. I don't know. But I'm guessing that in his mind, that's just how they needed to be arranged. I don't know why. Because he's freaking crazy. <laughs> I don't know why. Now... So after, like I said, he got done rearranging the bodies, he then drops to his knees and prays for forgiveness. I don't think so, dude. I think it's a little late for that. In his mind and in his belief system, he believed wholeheartedly that if he were to just die right then, that he would go to heaven because he had asked for forgiveness and had been, and because he asked for forgiveness, then he was forgiven. No, 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 because, oh, I'm not even going to get into it. No, not necessarily. You can be forgiven, but not necessarily. I mean, you you just murdered your whole family like five minutes ago. And then you're going to, I mean, you got to give that a little time to to see it before before you go praying for forgiveness. Maybe if you'd have been praying that hard before you murdered your family, (laughs) you would have gotten the answer that that was not the right thing to do. Oh, we'll get into that in a little bit. We will get into that. So, at 5 p.m., the mailman arrived with the special delivery that John had, that John had sent himself earlier. It's crazy. So, but, but he's not ready for it. So he just kind of sits it aside for the moment. Okay. Well, just sit it aside without (laughs) mailing it to yourself. I mean, what the hell? (laughs) So. At 7 p.m., he called his pastor, Reverend Eugene Raidwinkle. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's his name. Actually, it's Reverend Eugene A. Raidwinkle. (laughs) Get the whole thing in there. And he was the pastor at the Redeemer Evangelical Lutheran Church. Well... And he told his pastor that the family would be in North Carolina killing, caring for Helen. I was a slip there. Caring for Helen's mother until further notice. He then called Ed Ileano, who, Patty, who was Patty's drama teacher, and told him that she'd be missing the theater workshops for a bit. And, and forever. And that she would be unable. She can really play death scenes really good. <laughs> She's been practicing. She's that. been practicing really hard. And that she would be unable to be the understudy for the upcoming performance of a streetcar named Desire. Because yeah, she was supposed yeah. to do well, that. And, he's not lying. And now she's not going to be able to. Well, he's not lying. Now, when he when John Lewis calls Ed Iliano, I have no idea why this doesn't set off alarm bells with Iliano. Because he just wanted to know the time. You just had a kid, one of the kids tell you that their father told them that he was going to kill them. And then you had the other, another kid acting kind of strange. Even you, you yourself said it was strange and alarming. 
But this doesn't send off alarm bells that something might She's be up. She's not going to be able to pl- do this play. Um, We're all going to be gone for a don't while. don't worry about it because, you know, I didn't kill her or anything. <laughs> It's not like, I mean, she's certainly not dead, if that's what you're thinking. If that's what he needed to come out and say to make this guy realize that this is what happened. Dumbass. So John then sits down and begins writing a series of letters on stationery that he had ordered when he was trying to get this consulting firm that he was trying to do, get get it rolling. But of course it failed like everything else he tried to do. And along the top of this customized stationery it said john list career builder i mean this what jackass kind of careers are you building <laughs> this jackass couldn't even build a career of, for himself let those alone who, other but, people <laughs> but those who can't do teach, teach. <laughs> i guess so see but he so. couldn't even do that because he felt miserably because he he's not good well, that at does, that. That thing doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> he's not good at business and accounting. We, he's not good at it. So the first letter John wrote was to his mother-in-law. Hey, we're not going to be able to come <laughs> see you because the kids are sick. But if anybody calls, that's where we're at. In the letter, he apologized for the murders and gave reasons mainly that, you know, the reasons being that he couldn't support his family anymore and he didn't want anybody to go into poverty because he didn't think that they could handle being poor. You know, just all the bullshit reasons that he had there made up in his mind no for that were good reasons to do this. For because murdering crazy. anyone like that. Hell no. That's just stupid. But these are all the reasons, you know, that he'd come up with in his, in his crazy head. So John then wrote a letter to Helen's sister, Jean, saying pretty much the same thing, and then offered what he called his, quote, sincere sympathy for the unavoidable death of your sister. Oh, now see, <laughs> when I got that letter, I would hunt the son of a bitch down. It's like, I'm sorry, but this is unavoidable. Yeah, this is very, this is very unavoidable. It's so, un- I mean, it's very unavoidable. You just don't do it, and then you avoid it. Exactly. It's a very, it's very avoidable, I, I should say, say, not unavoidable. It's very avoidable. It is. I will say that every human being has the capability of killing another oh, yeah. human being. I can kill somebody. But. <laughs> not that I'm going to or have or will ever. But most people can control that urge. Yeah, I mean, the, if I, if somebody messes with one of my kids, I could I could kill that di- person. That's different though, because I see that as self defense. I'm talking about just going out and murdering like this guy, just murdering I somebody. Know, I mean, I'd have to have a reason. Yeah, I mean, because there was really no reason for him to murder his whole family. Just leave. <laughs> just go. Just leave. And now he wrote another letter to his aunt Lydia. It was his mom's sister. So, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said he got away with this for 18 years, but so far he has written three letters to people confessing to this murder? Right. What the hell? Just wait a minute. Just hold on. I'm. I'm this is going to make sense in a minute, okay? I don't know about that. <laughs> like I said, he wrote his Aunt Lydia, who was his mom's sister, and this was the first one in which he mentioned his mother, but again, he justified his action, actions, saying that he was saving her from untold anguish that would have resulted from his actions. 
So he's saying that if he had killed his family but left his mother alive, that she would have been too anguished to even go on living. So he might as well have killed her too. No, that's not. <laughs> that is not how it works. That is how it works in John List world. I don't think nothing works with that man. I think he's just like just floating through life. He wrote a letter to his boss at the insurance company, and he apologized for the way he was quitting his job. I've got to quit because I just <laughs> murdered my family. I do apologize. I'm sorry, I missed that meeting and all. You he know, said, I just—it's something I've just got to do. He said, "Quote." I want to thank you for everything that you did for me. You treated me better than any associate I've ever dealt with, and I'm sorry that I have to repay you in this way. Well. <laughs> sorry, I got to cut out. Hey, I, I'm sorry. I, look, I appreciate everything you did for me, but see, I've got to leave because. It's getting a little hot over here. The, the things are just not working out. That's like a breakup letter. <laughs> What the? He's crazy, man. I have to break up with my job. Yeah, I got to break up with my boss. I am so sorry. It's it's me, not you. (laughs) It's not you. It's me. That's basically what he was saying. It's me, not you. (laughs) Now his last letter was to Pastor Reverend Gene Raywinkle, (laughs) and this is the letter that most people, when they, when this story is told, this is the letter that most people associate with the John Lewis story. This is the letter that they know about. Let me guess. He's the only one that took it to the police. No, it's just that it was the one that they um, presented in court later on. Maybe they didn't have the rest of them. They did. It's just this one is just a total, pretty much just a total confession and has the the reasons listed. So, I mean, it's just a kind of a summary of so all the other ones. basically, this one shows just how crazy and fun Yeah, and is. I'm going to read it because this oh, wow. is going to be fun. Happy joy. <laughs> we love this kind of stuff. Yay. So, dear Pastor Raywinkle. <laughs> sorry. That's just funny. <laughs> you can't so- help your name. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Dear Pastor Raywinkle. I am sorry to add this additional burden to your work. I know that what has been done is wrong from all that I have been taught and that any reasons that I might give will not make it right. But you are the one person that I know that while not condoning this, will at least possibly understand. I don't think anybody will ever understand (laughs) why I felt that I had to do this. I wasn't earning anywhere near enough to support us. Everything I tried seemed to fail. I'm sorry, seemed to fall to pieces. True, we could have gone bankrupt and maybe gone on welfare. But that brings me to my next point. Knowing the type of vocation that one would have to live in, plus the environment for the children... Plus the effect on them knowing they were on welfare and was just was just more than I thought they could and should endure. I know they were willing to cut back, but this involved a lot more than that. With Pat being so determined to get into acting, I was also fearful as to what that might do to her continuing to be Christian. 
I'm sure it wouldn't have helped. Also, with Helen not going to church, I knew that this would harm the children eventually in their attendance. I had continued to hope that she would begin to come to church soon. But when I mentioned to her that Mr. Jutes wanted to pay her an elder's call, she just blew up and said she she wanted her name taken off the church rolls. Again, this could only have an adverse result for the children's continued attendance. So that is the sum of it. If any one of these things had if any of the if any one of these had been the condition, we might have pulled through. But this was just too much. At least I'm certain that all have gone to heaven now. If things had gone on, who knows if this would have been the case. Of course, Mother got involved because doing what I did to my family would have been a tremendous shock to her at this age. Therefore, knowing that she is also a Christian, I felt it best that she be relieved of the troubles of this world that would have hit her. After it was all over, I said some I said some prayer for them all. That was the least I, I could do. The least you could have done was not killed them. You think? Now for the final arrangements. Helen and the children have all agreed that they would prefer to be cremated. Even though the kids had told him specifically that they wanted to be buried, this son of a bitch even goes against their wishes now that he's killed them. But if he's that Christian, a lot of people who are like real, I mean, I'm a Christian person, but I think cremation is okay. Yes, yeah, so you would think that he wouldn't. People, right, you would think that because he wouldn't. Because some people think, think that the, you, the soul can't get to heaven if you're, you're cremated. cremated. Yeah. Then he goes on to say, please see to it that the costs are kept low. Now, what the difference does it make? He, he wants the rest of the insurance money. And everybody there ain't knows. no insurance money. He's gone. He can't claim insurance money because then they know? wouldn't know what he. Because then they would know where he was. They're gonna find out anyway. <sighs> For mother, she who has a plot at the at the Franken 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 <laughs> the Frankenmuth Church Cemetery. Then he tells him to contact some one of their family members because he knows what. The mother's wishes are blah, 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 blah. Also, I'm leaving some letters in your care. Please send them on and add whatever comments you think are appropriate. The relationships are as follows. And then he tells who the letters are for and where they should go. Also, and then he continues. Also, I don't know what will happen to the books and papers and personal things. But to the extent possible, I'd like for them to be distributed as you see fit. Some books might go to the school or church library. Originally, I had planned this for November the 1st, All Saints Day, but travel arrangements were delayed. I thought it would be an appropriate day for them to get into heaven. So he was saying that he had originally planned to do this November the 1st. Right, because if you look up All Saints Day, that's it's the, day, the holiest one yeah, of the holiest so they're days like, of the year. So he was thinking that that would be a good day to kill them so they could go to heaven. Well, 
they can all they just because he killed them doesn't mean they would go to heaven. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why he's killing them, so they will go to heaven. But that doesn't mean they're going to go to heaven. <laughs> then he says, "As for me, please let me be dropped from the congregational rolls." I thought he was going to say dropped from a building. <laughs> I was like, "Yes, I'm. Sh- I, I leave myself in the hands of God, justice and mercy." So this is where he says, I don't doubt that he is able to help us, but apparently he saw fit not to answer my prayers the way that I would hope they would be answered. So this makes me think that perhaps it was for the best as far as the children's souls are concerned. So what he's saying is because he prayed to God for him for God to help him in his financial situation that because God didn't answer his prayers that God was condoning his plan to murder everybody no God doesn't because that's what he's saying for a reason that's what he's saying because I, <sighs> I know that many will only look at the additional years that they could have lived but if finally they were no longer Christians what would it be what would have been gained also, I'm sure many will say, how could anyone do such a horrible thing? My only answer is it isn't easy and was only done after much thought. I don't know. It seemed like you. it was pretty easy to you to me. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have no trouble unloading two guns into your son. So, I mean. He then goes on through this big confession and he tells exactly what he did to each individual. And that's one of the reasons we know exactly what he did. Then he adds a P.S. A P.S.? A P.S. On a confession letter. Oh, P.S. P.S. Mother is in the hallway in the attic, in the attic third floor. She was too heavy to move. <laughs> oh, by the way, my mom's in the closet. Oh. If y'all are wondering where she's at when y'all get here. Yeah, that's that's just, oh, I don't even have any words. There's just no feeling is, whatsoever. I have heard of situations like this before. And my thing is, is in most cases, it's a murder-suicide. Right. And he so keeps, he's not doing this to save no, his family. He's no. doing this simply to just get rid of right, them. Right, exactly. And he keeps saying, you know, in the letter, if we had only had this happen to us, if we had only... Well, there's no we here because you're not dead. Right. You, there's no we. And you actually could have applied yourself a little more and made certain <laughs> things work out better. Yeah, I mean, it's he's just, it's just a selfish... Because even though he's God... just a selfish piece of shit. And he's just... I mean, the fact that God didn't give answer his prayers for money, so... God God's not silence is justification for him to kill his family. God does not is not going to answer prayers to give you money. <laughs> and I don't, and I'm not, I mean, I've read the Bible before once or twice. Nowhere and in nowhere there in it, there did I, did it, I say, did it say anything about God can don't, even if he don't say it. Or maybe this guy <laughs> is just freaking crazy. If he'd have killed himself. Right. I might Maybe. Hon- I might have honestly said, okay, he honestly thought that he was saving right. his family. But, yeah. But, but if he he's didn't. so religious and he thinks that this is purely just to make sure they get into heaven, kill no. yourself. Right. 
because but he's saying that you kill yourself well that's a sin and you can't go to heaven but because you're not able to ask for forgiveness and that's a bunch of bullshit right (laughs) because i'm on i mean it's just all crazy i might have could have forgiven him because he honestly if he if he'd have been a murder suicide he honestly thought he had no more hope Maybe, I might have yeah. been able to have forgiven him then. But no, this guy knows, okay, once I get... Basically, what he's saying is, is once I get rid of them, my life will be okay. Right, exactly. Exactly. Right. I mean, that's what you... that That is exactly... That's the gist of it. That is exactly what he is saying. Yes, but without the, um, I'm good. Yeah. They're making my life miserable. Right, and that and that and that's the whole right. thing in a nutshell right there. So, after writing the letters, John opened the letter that he had mailed to himself earlier that that, day. He knows what it says, but he's got to open it and read it. The key fit a lock on his desk drawer in his office, and all the letters that were written were locked inside. And the note was placed on the desk, and the note gave instructions to whoever found the bodies to contact the authorities, then use the key to unlock the desk where they would find letters that needed to be delivered to the recipients. But here's what I don't understand. This is so... About this whole thing. First of all, why did you have to mail it? And somebody said, well, maybe he wanted to be sure that if he had left earlier than he was planning on, that the the key in the letter would still be there. But that doesn't make any sense because it would be there anyway. Even if he if he just he, left he it there instead it, of mailing exactly. it. Exactly. He took it out of his house to go mail, mail it, it to, to take himself. it back to the house. So it would have they would have found it eventually. Just leave anyway. it there without mailing it. The I don't only, understand the, what the purpose of the that only, was. The only thing that I can think of of the reason he did that. Was he was going to try and say, well, somebody had taken that key and mailed it to me. But then that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense because because he's written the letters. He's the one that wrote the letters. It makes, there's no rhyme or reason to it in my opinion. And that's another thing, the reason that I know that he's just getting rid of them because he knows without, think. well, he thinks without them his life will be better, is he's trying to hide the fact I could even forgive him if he'd have killed his family, then called the authorities. He said, look what I did. Look what I, I did. I sent my family to heaven. I didn't think, think that they have, they were going to have a good life with me, so I was trying to save them. I, I could even forgive him then. But no, he's running to go start a new life after he's murdered his whole family. Right. And that's what you have to stop and think about. He well, I don't no think anybody's remorse. taken over John Lewis. Yeah, he has no remorse whatsoever. <laughs> no, because it's it's all about just getting out from under these people. Exactly. That's the whole gist of it. So John then made and ate dinner. Don't ask me what he made. I don't know. Mac and cheese <laughs> with some broccoli mixed in. <laughs> Hell, I don't know. <laughs> P- PB&J? <laughs> or it could be that mac and cheese where he put broccoli in and then some ham, like, like some ham pieces. Yeah, that's so gross to me. Just the, some people I don't, actually like I that. mean, I, I can, can understand see, I can why it should be that. good, but just the thought of ham and, and, and macaroni and cheese just grosses me out. I don't know why, because I, under, I can understand why that probably should be good to me. But, uh, well, basically, just it's just ham and cheese right. and broccoli. I mean, exactly. <laughs> bread and ham and cheese right. and broccoli. Right. But, you know. I guess it's just the way your mind thinks about it. I don't know. But I can just see him eating that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or some rice with butter and tomatoes mixed in. Who might be Maybe with some beef tips on the top with some, like, Now, I could do some beef tip, yeah. Like some marsala. What what do you eat after you've killed your family? Beef tips? You really want to know what I eat? were to kill my family right i'm not going to but i'm just saying i would have a biggest the biggest porterhouse steak be a good way to end the day I mean, oh the good steak why not i mean oh, i mean it, i'm not going to murder anybody but I'm hey just tweet saying. us what your dinner would be after you murdered your family what would you have to because eat? Because they're not going to give you a porterhouse steak on death row, so you might as well go ahead and enjoy it. Well, I guess for Why your last meal, you could get one if you were sentenced to death. Just saying. But it wouldn't be a good, great you don't think? porterhouse. No, not the way you'd make it at home. No. Because, <laughs> see, I would saute some onions to go on top of it with some mushrooms, and I would marinate it for like 24 hours. And Do you know that it, it doesn't really a- matter how long you marinate beef? does if you inject it some but i'm just saying but it, it, it you marinate it 15 minutes or an hour after about 15 20 minutes it's it's as marinated as it's going to be if you marinate it for longer some of the seasonings do soak in a little mm-hmm. bit more the seasonings maybe not what you like the sauce and stuff but if you add seasonings <clears throat> to it they will flavor it more but anyway well, that's that's, that's, that's what i would have and then I would this have has a, been table talk <laughs> i would have this great big baked potato with sour cream and butter <laughs> i would go with baked sweet potato well see i would just do a I like a baked Irish sweet potato, potato with sour cream and butter <laughs> extra butter by the way maybe some bacon bits and mm-hmm. a little bit of cheese oh see but I, I, I only want butter on my sweet potato a lot of people like to put like brown sugar and stuff i don't no, like that on my sweet potato. i just like plain butter it's a sweet potato yeah i you don't, don't need, need it sweeter all that stuff on there <laughs> i'm good but it's i know a, a lot of people potato. like doing that but i just i just don't that's when i bake one that's how i eat it which is yeah. a whole bunch of butter on it <laughs> just I love butter. butter i can eat butter, butter. Like straight out of the <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh don't get started on my butter <laughs> <laughs> i love butter so, he went to sleep that night with every light in the house on, except the one in the ballroom. Shh, they're sleeping. <laughs> Sorry. Shh, don't wake them. But, I mean, even, and people say, well, what if the, all the lights in the house were on? Well, the neighbors have noticed that. But, remember, that's happened a lot anyway, because Helen would always keep the lights in the house on. So it wasn't anything unusual. All but the ballroom. All but the ballroom. But what should have tipped them off was the ballroom light, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I think the ballroom was in an inner room, like inside the house. Like it Probably didn't not have one of those domes with glass. It, in it didn't have like windows and stuff in it. It did have a big, um, what do you call it? Skylight. Skylight. So that was, um, supposedly now this may just be i couldn't I, I can never i have never been able to verify if this is a true story or not but i have heard that that window it was like a what do you call the windows like at churches and stuff stained, stained glass. glass that it was a big huge stained glass window in the ceiling and that supposedly now this was like a tiffany 
window or it something like that was. that was worth like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars at the time. So he had the answer. So, like I said, I just made this is may just be made up in a the freaking house, <laughs> and you you're okay. <laughs> You've got all of these nice things in your house. Start selling stuff. Right, right. But 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 basically, the light in the ballroom would have shone up through that stained glass window and then just put this array of colors all <laughs> over the sky. Now that's what that's what that's like a urban legend. I don't know if it's true or not. I've never been able to verify if that's one hundred percent true, but I've always heard that. So I don't know. If y'all know if it's if you know that's true, let me know. Hey, somebody from that area <laughs> that knows somebody that knows somebody. Somebody from Westfield. Let us know. <laughs> so like we said, he's he slept peacefully until just before dawn the next morning. Gotta catch my flight. He just he got up and destroyed <laughs> what family photos he could find. What? See that because that is my point. This was not about him caring about them enough. To send them to heaven. This was about him just wiping them out and right. getting rid of them. Well, and plus, I mean, if you destroy what the family... This isn't today. There's not... If you destroy the family photos, there's no photos of these people anymore. No, there's not. They're gone. They don't keep the negatives. They don't... So there's nothing to put out, you know, here's this person, here's this guy. Now, there are some that survive, but that's just because he either he didn't find them in the house or somebody, somebody else, else had them. So he then he fed Helen's fish because can't have the fish starving. And <laughs> but if he's not going to be there for weeks, right? Exactly. It may really it doesn't matter. it doesn't matter. But I guess it's just Did they routine. Have a cat? At least cattle. No. <laughs> so now John left his favorite classical music station playing on the radio at full blast. Oh, well, not at full blast, but it was over the intercom because this house, of course, had an intercom system. Sell because they the needed that freaking house. <laughs> you got all kinds of high-priced furniture. You could have sold all that, dude. There is no excuse for this. <laughs> now, the last thing that John Lewis did before leaving the house that morning was he lowered the temperature on the thermostat, which made the bodies. And plus, it was a cold winter that winter, and he turned the air down with the air on. So he essentially put these bodies on ice because he wanted to be sure that they didn't start smelling. That they would start, that the smell would not start for as long as possible. But if it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. And, and he turned, he put the air conditioner on. Right, but if it's colder outside than what he put the air conditioner on, eventually the air conditioner's not even going to come on. Well, I mean, but is- sure, but I mean... He turned it down as low as it could go, and so it would just stay. He wanted it as cold as possible. He didn't want any heat going on in there. Because he didn't want the bodies to start smelling. Now, his last errand in town was to drive by the office of K&V Associates, which was where Patty and Fred worked, was what their part-time jobs were after school. And he left a letter there excusing their absence from work, again telling them that the family was going out of town. To visit a sick relative indefinitely. He then drove to JFK Airport and parked his car in the long-term lot and abandoned it. And this would be where the trail of John Lewis ended for investigators for the next 18 years. That's just fucking ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, you can't go in there and get a subpoena and find out where he bought a freaking ticket to. 
No, because this was the day you didn't have to. You didn't. You could pay for it. You could walk up to a counter and play, pay for an airplane ticket with cash. You didn't have to give them your name, ID, or anything. You didn't have to give them anything. It was like, here, here's twenty bucks. Fly me to Cuba. <laughs> That's probably where he was at. Cuba. Cuba. <laughs> Gotta go to Cuba. Cuba. Okay. So. On November the 22nd, 1971. That would be... What, a week and a half after the murders? Mm-hmm. Using the name Robert P. Clark and giving a Denver motel as his address, John List applied for a Social Security card. Okay. And received it. So now he's Robert P. Clark, which is the name. He knew a guy. He went to college with a guy named Robert Clark. So I guess that's where he got that name from. Dumbass. He can't even come up with the same name on his own. <laughs> he's, he has zero creative juices Smith in him. Smith would have been better because Smith <laughs> and Johnson are so widely used as last names till nobody would think anything of that. Yeah, but Smith sounds like you're making a name up because you think everybody's named Smith. Because they are. <laughs> I have got, on my bus, I have seven kids that are with the last name Johnson. Only two of them are from the same family. <laughs> There's no lie. Now, back in New Jersey, everyone assumed that the Liz family was simply, you know, out of town because that's what he had told everybody. Now, it wasn't until November the 20th, which was the night of the streetcar, a streetcar named Desire performance, that the drama club started worrying about Patty. And I don't understand why they started worrying about her. Because he told Aunt Eliana that she wasn't going to be able to understudy. But I'm guessing maybe they thought that she would be back at least for the performance. That she would show up for that at least. Now, Well, not if she's out of town. Right. He told him that she would not be there. And all this coming after she told this guy that he was going to kill her. Well, Aunt Eliana starts starts worrying. Oh, now he worries. He starts thinking maybe something's up. You think? And he tried talking to the police, but they said that there was nothing they could do because there was no evidence of wrongdoing. Just go look in the house. Yeah. (laughs) I guess they can't just go look in the house, I guess. Now, go ahead. I I don't get now he's worried. Yeah, he's worried now because it's been a while and he's thinking, well, either the lady is better or she died, I guess. What he's thinking, I don't know. I guess he's just thinking that they should be back by now. Now, John List had left every light in the house turned on when he left. The bulbs didn't blow. I need some of them bulbs. Mm. But since the lists, like I said, were of them, you know, they were strange anyway, and the lights were usually on. Nobody in the neighborhood thought much of it until the lights started. The bulbs started blowing one by one because they were burning out. Well, yeah. So then people started wondering, like, what's that? What's up with that? Now, finally, on December the 5th, which was almost a full month after the murders, Eddie Liano decided that he was going to do something, that he needed to go figure out what's going on. 
And this is like a month and a half after he was told yeah. by her that her father said that he was going to kill her. Well, maybe I should go check on her. What the hell, dude? So he went to the home. And he rolls around the house trying, he's checking all the windows, seeing if there's one he can get into. And finally he finds one that's unlocked. Oh, they forgot to lock a window. So he crawls inside the house and soon finds the bloated, decomposing, maggot-infested bodies of Helen and the children. That's just wonderful. Yeah. I thought I'd throw that in there, you know, let y'all... Get the full full All view right, of what's you start going with on me, here. I'm going to start talking about blending pizza again. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> now, upon seeing them, he just ran away and got in his car and drove home. Well, I can't <laughs> say I wouldn't do the same thing, but maybe you should take a step further and actually do something no. this time and call the authorities. No, he didn't. He would later say that he was in a blackout state and oh, that what he you saw. You drove home and you were in a blackout state? <laughs> he said that what he saw was so overwhelming that it took him two days to process it fully. But yet he drove home in a blackout state. Mm-hmm. Now, he finally realized that he had no choice, that he needed to do something, that he had to call somebody or do something. But instead of calling the police, what he does is he goes back to the house Do you think it's going to be better? Well, this time, he makes a lot of noise breaking in the house so that the neighbors will hear it and react. And they call the police. Why not just call the damn police? (laughs) What the hell are you hiding? What the fuck, dude? Like, why not just call the freaking police? Do not know the number. Let me help you out. 911. So he would rather... Get the police called on him for breaking in the and house. And go to jail. Which I guess what he was saying, what his thing was going to be was, oh, I was coming to check on him, but he didn't want the police to know that he had came and checked on him two days earlier and didn't call the police. Well, all he so had he's to do just gonna say, was get on the phone and say, look. <laughs> or I just say that house. he just went over there. They don't know when he was over exactly. there. But I guess he's wanting to put on a show so that the neighbors can confirm that that's the day that he was there and found the bodies. I don't know. I think that he had way too much time to overthink this during those two days. Well, my thing is, is apparently the neighbors don't pay too much attention to what's going on, period. They didn't hear gunshots. So they weren't, weren't going to pay attention to whether you were there or not. They didn't hear 30-something gunshots go off. For real, this is my point. <laughs> Okay. I think you were safe. <laughs> so. But they noticed when light bulbs started yes, going out. Yes. That's what yes. amazes me. Yes, they did notice that. Now, when police officers finally entered the home on December the 7th, they heard organ music on the intercom system, which, of course, was from the radio station that John had left playing, his favorite classical music station. And they discovered the bodies of Helen List, 45 years old, her children Patricia, who was 16, John Jr., 15, and Frederick, who was 13, and List's mother Alma, who was 84. They found her then? So they... Yeah. Okay, good. I'm sure they could found her... I mean, I'm sure they searched the house. I'm sure they probably just followed the smell. Or or they read the letter, I guess. Or there could have been fluid leaking out from (laughs) under the door. Let's not talk about it. You were the one that described <laughs> what the bodies looked like. So just stop. So four days later, John's car was found in JFK long-term parking during a routine check for stolen vehicles. 
but there was no evidence whatsoever about where he had gone. They had no clue where he was. They didn't have any any idea of where to even look. I mean, it, he's in Denver, but um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Now, in New Jersey, this was, of course, being called the crime of the century. Like, this was the big story that these people had been killed. This man had killed his family and took off and nobody knew where he was. He so, could be in your basement right yeah, now. Yeah, so police chief James F. Moran, who was called Knuckles, Knuckles Moran, he put Knuckles, Knuckles Moran, Moran. Is the one that <laughs> investigated this case. Yes, Knuckles Moran. <laughs> he was the police chief at the time. He put all his, he put everything he had into finding John List, okay? Like, they were, he, he was really hard trying to find this guy. But since List had left New Jersey, and went out of state, the FBI also got involved. Because they're assuming he left since his car was at the airport. Wouldn't now, it be a bitch that if they he don't just know left for sure. his car there, <laughs> really? and then he just walked back into town, <laughs> and he's like hiding out in the closet in the house, the one that they didn't check. The one they didn't check. Now, they put flowers up in pharmacies all over the country because John List had such a severe hemorrhoid issue that he... It's going to get caught. Because he used an unusual <laughs> amount of preparation age. But my point on this is I wonder how they knew that. Because I would think that anybody that was privy to that information was dead. Maybe his aunt. His aunt. <laughs> well, y'all can know. find him because he's got hemorrhoids so bad he can't stay at the pharmacy. Maybe they talked to his, his mother-in-law. Or maybe they talked or to a doctor. Or did she have a daughter that left and got married? Maybe she. Maybe she. Did. Maybe she did. Maybe it was her. But that just that just got me thinking. Like, how the hell did they know that? Because I mean, she would have lived in the house with him for a while yeah, before she that's left. True. So she would have known. Yeah. True. She. she that's <laughs> the one thing she if knows. You just hide out in the pharmacies. Eventually, <laughs> he will walk He's in. He's gonna have to buy some preparation <laughs> age. I'm telling you. He goes through it like candy. Candy. Now, they also reached out to optometrists across the country because John was so nearsighted that he, shit. that he frequently had to change his prescription. And finally, the FBI tried putting flyers up at Lutheran churches, but not a single Lutheran church allowed the FBI to do so because they didn't want to be involved. Yeah, y'all are sure <laughs> some Christians. Well, look, I know this man killed his family, but I just, I just... I just don't think it's any of my business. It's not my business. <laughs> I mean, he was doing it to send them to heaven. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was doing it to do what he's doing now. Now, I'll, now when they I were doing this dive that. into John List's private life, they also discovered that this church-going, Bible-pushing, Bible... What do you thumping. call it? Bible-thumping, <laughs> pious church man... Was that a was, dumb had act. rented a P.O. box for the sole purpose of ordering porno magazines so that nobody would know. John, uh, now you may go to heaven and be forgiven <laughs> for killing your whole family, but this pornography, this pornography, this is just uncalled for. That I, pornography. I, that, lust is one of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> <laughs> is it higher or lower than murder? Well, it's a deadly sin. So I'm <laughs> it'd be a, I, don't, I mean, 
I don't really know. What's the scale? The scale, which is worse? Well, I mean, they don't call murder a deadly sin. Though. I know. It's just a I'm command. just saying that but, which one's worse. But that murder was on the commandments that God handed down. So, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a hard call. One's a commandment, one's a sin. So I would think murder would probably be on top of I, that. I would think so. That. But anyway, I just thought I'd mention it. I thought it was funny. So Knuckles Moran and the FBI didn't really have much to go on at all. So this hey, case did, ended up going did Knuckle, cold. Did Knuckles and Ray Winkle work together? <laughs> I'm sure they talked. And this season on Knuckles and Ray Winkle. Buddy, like a cop buddy show from 1974. Yes. Knuckles and Ray Winkle. <laughs> <laughs> when a man murders his whole family. <laughs> There's only two men tough enough with the fortitude to find <laughs> that man. Knuckles, Knuckles and Ray Winkle. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so like I said, the case went cold because they don't got a fucking clue where he's at. They don't case even know where to cold. look. He could be any damn where in the fucking world. They don't know. So then less than a year after the murders, an unknown arsonist doused the former list house with kerosene and burned it to the ground. I wonder if that was um Helen's daughter. I don't know. They have never, they never discovered who did it to this day. They don't did know. Did they really care? I don't think it was much of a concern, no. <laughs> I mean, they're still trying to solve this murder. Yeah, I don't think they people. really cared. A house burning down just doesn't seem to compare. Yeah. So now back out in Colorado. Meanwhile in Colorado. Meanwhile. Knuckles in, and Ray Winkle. <laughs> in Colorado. John List, he had bought him a trailer, should I say Robert P. Clark. That's he right. had bought a trailer near Denver for $1,500. So he put like most of his money into this trailer he bought. So he, he only left he, with two thousand, like twenty two hundred dollars. Twenty two eighty five. Yes, twenty two eighty five. But if you're gonna spend most of your money, at least he spent it on a house. That's true. So he got him a trailer outside of. Denver. I would have gotten an RV though with an engine. That way you could drive around. Yeah. With your house, and you wouldn't yeah. have to buy but one. To do everything. I guess he figured he wasn't going anywhere for a while. Oh, he's going to go places. <laughs> Just not where he thinks. Now, he would later say that in these days after the murders, that ha that it was an unbelievable sense of relief he felt. That See, he was so relieved to I'm, be yeah. out from under this family. Exactly. Yes. You asshole. Those were your kids. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a fucking monster. Now, Liz laid low for four months reading history novels in the Bible, and he was able to get a bed, a refrigerator, and a stove, and slowly okay, so started building his life as Bob so, Clark. So he bought a house. Yes. But he didn't have a refrigerator, a stove, or a bed. Nope. I think I would have just went ahead and bought those, too. Well, maybe they weren't for sale. Maybe the people that were selling the trailer didn't have them, didn't come with it. They had appliance stores even back in 1971. Yeah, but he and didn't have very stores. much money. But he could have bought second hand. Well, I think, I'm sure he did. I don't think he went out and bought a new one. How about, oh, that's right. You can't keep a job. 
1972, Liz got a job under the name of Bob Clark as a night shift cook at the Holiday Inn along Interstate 74. I was going to say he would be good as a cook because they don't really have to interact with anybody. He was actually very good at it, and the folks there described him as a quiet, friendly man man who flinched when anyone cursed. <gasps> you know, I shot my my whole family in the head, but, but don't, but don't say damn around me. me. I, I, oh my. How dare you? Hell. How dare you? How fucking dare you? <laughs> he oh, had... Oh. And he, like I said, he was good at being a cook. He kind of had like a natural ability to do that. And he was soon the new chef at a at a country club southwest of Denver. And there he found that he was really good at handling the pressure of like running a kitchen. Like he was extremely good at it. Because he likes to be in control. Yeah. That's, that, that's the whole thing about this whole thing he likes to be in control and when he felt like he was losing control of his family over his family Mm -hmm. that is when he decided to that they had to go yeah but i mean there was a guy that worked with him there and he said that he'd never seen anybody be able to handle the pressure of a kitchen the way that he he did well i mean he did kill his whole family i think he's good under pressure yeah Just saying. He had that, yeah, especially with all the hiccups that came, yeah, the unsuspecting I mean, yeah. times of people coming and going. Now, in 1975, you know, he was feeling pretty secure. He was feeling a little more secure. You know, he'd been, he'd, it'd been four years since the murders. And he moved into central Denver. He joined the Lutheran Church and he started work as a tax preparer for H&R Block. H&R Block, you hired a murderer. How do you feel about that? Oh. <laughs> oh. Then in 1977, he meets Dolores Miller, who was a recently divorced um, lady, and he met her at a church picnic, and they just kind of began dating. And they got married in 1985 at Miller's mother's home in Maryland. So. Miller's mother's home in Maryland. So that's, <laughs> <five times. laughs> that's what I'm like. Why is it so hard for me to say that? So they got married at Dolores Mill at her at her mother's home in Maryland. There is that better? Well, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I mean, it was fine the way it was. Oh, before. okay. I thought I messed it up. <laughs> and in 1988, the couple moved to Midlothian, Virginia. I guess is where you how you say that Midlothian, Virginia, and List found work as an accountant at a Richmond packaging company. Now, the next year, John was fired from the package company he worked at. <laughs> so he started another accounting consulting mm. business that was largely a failure, also, and was really only kept afloat by Dolores, put you know just throwing money at it. And so John yet had another woman that he could leech from. You know, it was his mother. Now it's Dolores. Wow. And it just seemed as if John List is just starting the cycle all over again. But I think I'm finding a common denominator here. (laughs) When what would that be? Uh, John. John. (laughs) Now, the thing that was different this time 
is that John didn't have the resources to live the fake commuter life that he did last time, you know, where he would pretend to go to work every day. Yeah. So he just spent his days looking, sitting around the house looking at one ads while Dorsey's money just gets pumped into this consulting firm. Because he's not doing anything. He has no clients. He's, she's just paying him to sit at the house all day. Well, no, I could get paid for that. <laughs> I wouldn't complain. Now, while John was sitting around the house all day, he became friendly with the neighbor lady named Wanda Flannery. Oh, adultery? No, it's, no, we're not going, that's not where this is going. Okay, I was fixing to say. That not that friendly. I mean, he just keeps racking the sins up. <laughs> I mean, just one right after another. Now, Wanda Flannery would later say that she actually felt sorry for him because she knew that even though he was, that she knew he wasn't working, but he would still get up every morning and put on a suit and tie just to sit around the house all day. Because that's what he did. Yeah, I mean, he just... He's nuts. <laughs> she also stated that he was very evasive about his past, saying only that yeah, his... I'm sure he was. Yeah, for real. <laughs> And all he said was that his previous wife died after being diagnosed with a strange disease. It's called a bullet in the head. <laughs> it, it, it was an um. It's iron. called bulletitis. It's like this iron. Iron. It's too, too much. much. When you get iron. too much iron in your head. Yeah, in your brain. Your brain. <laughs> it's, it's, a, very, it's very it, strange. It, it's it's very, a strange disease. It is. It's very deadly. <laughs> Kills everybody. That gets that disease. Yeah. So then in February of 1987, Wanda was at the grocery store and she picked up a copy of one of the greatest publications of our time. Oh my God. The Weekly World News. I hate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Weekly World News was awesome. If y'all don't remember or don't know what the Weekly World News is, I guess, I don't know if it's still in print or not. It, surely know. it has to be. I don't know. But, like, they introduced us to what, to Wolf Boy and stuff Bat like Boy. Bat Boy. Bat Boy, that's what it was. Bat Boy, Aliens. I mean, yeah, you know, it was is, just a. This was what the Weekly World, this yeah. was news to them. Yes. But anyway, now, but once in a while, they would throw in a story that had some validity to well, it. Well, they would have to to get people to actually <laughs> keep believing the crap that they oh, put on I love the Weekly World news. That and the National Enquirer. I uh, now, the I didn't like the National Enquirer mainly because it was just about, um, basically all they do like is celebrity stuff. Trash people's names. Yeah. But Weekly World News was freaking awesome. So Wanda opened up that issue of Weekly World News and she read a story entitled The Perfect Crime, which told the story of the investigation into the murders committed by John List. And when she looked at the picture, of John Liz, dun, dun, dun. she saw Bob Clark. I dun, wonder dun, if he dun. has a twin. But wouldn't his name be Clark? <laughs> now she gets to thinking and she gets to reading the story and the ages lined up. Clark had a scar on his neck like the one that List was said to have had. I think these are one and the same. Right. And John List was described as an overly religious accountant with chronic money troubles. Who does that sound well, like? Well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> if he just hadn't well, tried to redo his life. If he hadn't left being a chef, he would have gotten He would have never been it. caught. He would never. have never been caught. Never. Never would have been caught. But no, he had to go back. 
Right. And try to be an accountant again. Right. That he's not good at. He's not good at it. He sucks. So Wanda went to Dolores when John was out on a job um, interview one day. (laughs) She's like, hey, check this out. Look at this. Look, I mean, does that look like somebody you might know? Possibly. Does this guy look familiar to you? (laughs) He looks familiar to me. Where do I know this guy from? Oh, I know. (laughs) But Dolores just couldn't imagine that. You know, the guy she's married to. Of course. You know, she's not going to be like, yeah, that probably, that guy I'm married probably is the guy that, the same guy that murdered his family. Right there. Right. <laughs> In print. Oh, no, that's not him. Uh, yeah. There's no way that can be him. Right. So, of course, she's just like, no, that's not him. Now, around this same time, Captain Frank Maraca of Westfield, he thought of another possible way of finding John Liz. And he got a hold of the people at America's Most Wanted and asked them to feature the case. But they said, well, this case is really old and it's really, really cold. And it's really not, it, there's, it's not so? a, a good, it's not good for our, for the show because there's really, there's no leads. There's no anything. And Unsolved Mysteries actually rejected it too for that same reason. But isn't the whole purpose of America's Most Wanted is to, and Unsolved To find Mysteries, people that are wanted? exactly (laughs) isn't that the whole point but the reason that any police officer whether it's a new case or it's a cold case the whole point of putting this out there is because they've run out of directions to go to find these people so they're thinking that if they put it on something that reaches all across the nation then they have a better chance yeah i guess but with it being so old it they're thinking that you know, this person isn't going to be recognized or whatever. Yeah, they will because he's in the Weekly World News. <laughs> so, but Maraca, he was persistent. And in 1989, he pitched the story to the producers of America's Most Wanted in person. And they finally agreed. I guess they didn't want to tell him no to his face, you know. Yeah. And in one of the first times that this procedure was used to capture a criminal sculptor frank bender performed the astounding feat of sculpting a bust of john list using 18 year old photographs and he was able to create an updated image of the killer of john list and they had and he made it look what they thought like john list would look like right. in 1989 right and they were amazed because when they did capture List, they were amazed at the accuracy of Bender's sculptor because they he had List down right to the receding hairline and even the style of the glasses that he was wearing. <laughs> I mean, this guy did a good job. Yeah. Now, I don't know if this is surprising or not, but John List was an avid viewer of America's Most Wanted. Oh, and he shit. pretty much watched each week. I'm, I'm guessing to see if he was going to be on there. <laughs> well, lo and behold, look who it is. On May 21st, 1989, John List saw his own face sculpted in a 3D likeness on the television that night. And you remember during the first, at the beginning of the first episode we did on John List, and I said that this story scarred me for life. When I was little, mm-hmm. when I was younger. And that's because I was watching America's Most that. Wanted on May the 21st, 1989, when this old man's, when they popped this old man's bust up there on the TV. And it freaked me the fuck out because I was totally convinced that John List was the guy that the old little old man 
Mr. Woodrow that lived next door to us that she only did. had one leg. She did. <laughs> she, she was, she was scared I, to death of that man. I would have sworn that John List was living next door to us, that he had lost a leg, and that he lived next door to us going by the name Mr. Woodrow. Yeah, she did. <laughs> it freaked me the fuck out. Shannon has um, mental issues herself. So, while I was, you know, freaking out back in small town Alabama back in 1989, the show's hotline that night got 250 calls. And now, a third of those were the calls that they got every week from the same people that called in every week just wanting somebody to talk to. But I'm they, so lonely. But one person that, they, that did call in that night was Wanda Flannery. You go, girl. And she just left a, a short, simple message saying, John Liss lives here at this address, uses the name Robert P. Clark. Come get him. <laughs> now. And 11 days later, List was captured. Now, he denied being John List at of first. He did. <laughs> but police were able to compare his fingerprints to those that John List had conveniently left for the police when he applied for that gun permit back in 1971. Don't! I forgot about that shit. <laughs> Don't. Damn. Now, it took John List almost a year before he would admit that he was <laughs> John List and not Bob Clark. Well, a I mean, year. I mean, but after living as Robert P. Clark for eighteen years, and they, they would do they would do this thing like when they were questioning, they would just kind of leave him alone in the room, and then they would walk back in and be like, uh, "John," and he would look at him. <laughs> I'm not John. <laughs> and then he'd be like, and then he'd correct himself. <laughs> I mean, this guy's stupid. They were having some fun <laughs> with him. They knew that he was. They knew who he was, and he's just sitting there trying. They're like, your fingerprints match. So, on July the 10th, 1989, List is ordered held on a $5 million bail. Yeah, he'll never, he'll never make yeah, that. Yeah, he never. Which, he still refuses to admit his identity. In April 1st, 1990, testimony began in the List trial, where List finally had admitted his identity during the pretrial hearing. Finally. So... On April the 12th, 1990, the jury returns a verdict of guilty on five counts of first-degree murder. And John List died in prison on March the 21st, 2008. He was a lonely relic of rigid moral hypocrisy best left in the past. So 18 years of freedom and 18 years behind bars is what he, is how he spent the years after murdering his family. Well, we know where he's at. <laughs> well, he's in heaven, obviously, uh, no. because he asked for forgiveness. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, you like that? A lonely relic of rigid moral hypocrisy, best I, left I, I, to the I, past. That's all he was. I'm still stuck on mailing this freaking key. I don't know what the point of that, that was. That proves how mentally I unstable don't understand. This idiot was. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. None whatsoever. I still can't explain it. So references, um, death book, death sentence by Joe Sharkey, um, book righteous, righteous carnage by Timothy Benford and James Johnston. Uh, several articles from the New York Times and an episode of last podcast on the left best podcast out there even even better than this one 
I will admit. <laughs> and I don't know what what um, sources they used, but um, I believe anything Marcus Park says, so I know it's all true. And now it's time for the Crafty Criminal of the Week. Oh, here we go. Hey, so many weeks. <laughs> so many, so many dumb criminals. All right. So the case of the returned merchandise. A Target store in Augusta, Georgia, agreed to take back a printer from a dissatisfied customer. But then the clerk noticed something. It was some work that the customer had forgot to remove from the machine. Counterfeit money. <laughs> <laughs> Dope. What'd you do with the, the... I wonder what this... Dum, dum, dum. Sir, that printer that you used, what'd you use it for? <laughs> and, Nothing. I didn't use it. It didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> no, it didn't because it's probably the money probably looks fake. So that's what pissed me off. Probably does. Like this is shit. This this I'm isn't gonna this work. Shit this is a shit printer. Shit printer. I got from Target. Can't make good fake money with shit printer from Target. All right. So I that's just, our crafty criminal over the week. I just, As we know, these people are not crafty and can barely be called criminals. Do you know there's a case in, right here where we're at in Georgia of counterfeit 20s going around, so be careful. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, be careful because some, some, some are actually coming from the bank. <laughs> I'm like, what, wait, wait. Well, that's just stop. because they've gotten turned in before. But the bank should be able to tell. Well, they take in so much. The bank, I mean, it's not like the, I used to work, I worked at a bank for five years. When you take in money for deposits and stuff, you don't look at every bill. Well, they are now. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, don't forget that you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash onecrimepod. Check out our merch at t.public slash onecrimepod. If she I could doesn't speak. know what she's talking about. Um, but we'll have a link to those in our description, so you don't, have to, you don't have to link. listen to me. Go follow just go, the link. Just go to our link. And remember, you can email us anytime at onecrimeatime at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at onecrimepod. Um, you could follow us on Instagram, but our account's been hacked, and I've got to set up a new one. So Yeah, because you know, somebody thought they wanted to feel Somebody special. wanted to be funny. Somebody wanted to feel special. Special. And the biggest thing you can do to help us out is go rate us, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. And I'm going to go ahead and give a little teaser here for our next episode. Just know that during our next episode that you will hear Christina yell at me and fuss at me more than you have the entire time we've been doing this podcast. So that's your little teaser for next week. <laughs> She's going to lose her shit over me next on our next show. So. I'll lose my shit on you all the time. <laughs> no, it's going to be, this is going to be the worst that it's ever been. <laughs> so until next time, guys, remember to only dive into one crime at a time. Bye. Bye.